Yeah. Hello, you're listening to No Such Word as Can't with me, Hazel McBride. I was always told growing up that there was no such word as can't, and I genuinely believe that that mentality instilled a belief in me that anything was possible if I just set my mind to it. As someone who started off with a seemingly impossible dream and somehow made it my reality, I want to help more people achieve their goals by giving them actionable advice as well as sharing stories from others who have done the same. Today, I am so excited to sit down and talk with one of my friends who I literally have not had a face-to-face -face conversation with in years. We originally met on our internships in the Florida Keys, and since then, she has gone on to become a mom of two incredible little girls, a ranch owner, and an incredible photographer. Welcome to the podcast, Lauren. Hey, Hazel. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to pick your brain today about literally everything, but I know you are so incredibly busy right now. How many cows do you have in your house at the current moment? So this is a new update as of today, but we currently have zero cows in our house. <laughs> okay. How many did you have? Um, the most that we had at a time was three, but I lost count after seven that were rotating through the door. So we still have a couple babies up in the corral that we're giving bottles to, but once they started getting really mobile um, and making messes all over the mudroom, oh even though it's goodness. a mudroom, we decided to kick them out to the corrals. So, oh my goodness, zero, so. zero cows in the house. <laughs> <laughs> so for my listeners who are maybe a little bit confused, like why does this girl have cows in her house? Um, can you explain uh, the idyllic? place that you're currently living in yes definitely so I live in Montana um, eastern Montana specifically um, and we have a working cattle ranch and the past few days we had a big snowstorm um, and when that happens we sometimes have to help the babies out a little bit um, bring them inside warm them up dry them off give them a bottle and that's how you end up with cows in your house. <laughs> I mean, it looks insanely beautiful up there. Like it really does. But, you know, it must be incredibly hard. You know, I know you guys had um, wildfires last year. You got you just spoke about, you know, a big snowstorm. Um, what is it like being so so far away from civilization and kind of having to deal with all of those things by yourself? Well, it definitely tends to make a person hardy. Um, my husband was born and raised on a ranch in eastern Montana, and he is just so capable, as are many of the other people out here. They can fight their own fires, and they can plow their own snow, and that's kind of what living out here requires, at least part of the time, um, is really a self-sufficiency. Um, yeah, I remember... Um, if you guys don't already follow her on Instagram, you, you need to. Um, I'll leave the details, obviously, in the description and stuff. But I remember with the wildfire, I just thought, oh, my God, I have to write a novel about this. <laughs> because you spoke you spoke about your husband going off with some other people to, to fight the wildfire. And he hadn't come back. And you were like, screw this. You got on a horse and you rode out to help. I didn't get on a horse. I drove. Oh, um, but was someone yeah. on a horse? Uh, probably somebody somewhere was. Well, if but I ever I, write that story, someone's going off on a horse because it's way more dramatic that way. Yes, 
Yes, as an author, <laughs> you take that and you run with it. I'm yes. not quite that cool. I got in my truck and I drove. <laughs> but um, we don't have any cell service out here. So any like internet, texting, calling communications that we have are done at our house. Mm. So once my husband leaves the house, it's just kind of a guessing game. I always make him tell me where he's going. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the wildfires, I could see the smoke. It looked like it was on our ranch and it did start on our ranch and then it moved over to a neighbor's. So I knew where he was because I could place the smoke. Um, so we have a firefighting truck. He left in the firefighting truck. Mm-hmm. And then I hadn't heard from him. We were supposed to take the girls to like the carnival and the fair that night. Oh my um, goodness. But after not having heard from him and I can still see the smoke, I'm like, well, I'll just go find him. Mm-hmm. And so my dad hopped in with me and we drove out to the fire and I never actually did find my husband, but I found a lot of other people who were working oh on the fire. And so we just kind of grabbed shovels and jumped in and they had it pretty knocked down. That wasn't one of the ones that went too wild. Um, the fires last mm-hmm. year were pretty crazy. We were lucky enough to avoid some of the major ones. Um, but yeah, and I think, you know, as I said, self-sufficiency in rural living is super crucial and important and it just kind of creates it in you. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's definitely a theme that runs, you know, throughout, I think your life, you know, especially in the last 10 years is being very independent, very much a strong woman, you know, like I'm going to do this and this is what's going to happen. And then you, you make it happen. Um, Yeah. But you did kind of sorry. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Um, Along with self-sufficiency, though, like there's such a great um, community that we're a part of on multiple fronts Mm. out here. Um, Like I was thinking about it on Wednesday, um, I had to drive to town to get milk replacer for the calves because we had just been giving them milk that we drank like gallon milk. Mm-hmm. Um, and pouring that into a bottle and heating it up, but we had too many calves drinking too much milk and we were down to the last half gallon, which would be half a feeding for one calf for a day. Mm-hmm. And so we needed, we needed to get milk replacer, but the roads were absolutely awful, borderline, not passable. And my husband was just like, I believe in you go get them, babe. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And so I'm driving through you know drifts that are even with the tires on my truck pretty much and I ended up getting stuck um and so I called the sheriff's office here I knew the dispatcher the dispatcher was like oh hey Lauren yeah I'll call Childers which is a local auto body shop in our neighboring town and he was like I'll send Bryant your way and I was like okay cool Bryant's on the way and as I'm sitting in the ditch somebody else pulled up and it was somebody that I knew um, somebody that actually loaned us some equipment to help build our house. And he was like, Oh, I'll just pull you out. And then as he was about ready to pull me out of the ditch, the tow company showed up and they pulled me out of the ditch. And then I was afraid to drive back home after having made it to town just because of how bad the roads were. And I had Mm -hmm. the girls with me. Um, but our neighbor, um, just so happens to work in town part-time and he was like, between the two of us, we can make it home. He was like, I get off work at 530. Just meet me at the gas station and we'll make it. Oh, that's and so lovely. So when I think about all the people that it took, yeah, you know, it was me, but I wouldn't have been able to do it without the help of the dispatcher 
or the tow company or the neighbor just to get our calves some milk replacer. So there's a self-sufficiency, but there's also a really giving and sacrificial community too. Yeah, I think that's so lovely. And I think, honestly, that's something that so many societies have lost, especially with, you know, as, as many benefits as social media and being so connected can give us. You know, I think there's obviously drawbacks as well. And, you know, so many of us can live in cities with so many people around us and we don't even know the names of our neighbors, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's so lovely that, you know, while you're so, or it would seem that you're so far away and so quote unquote alone over there, you're actually, you could be less alone than someone living in the middle of a, of a city. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, the, the gaps in rural living, people really step in and fill for each Mm -hmm. other. Yeah. And that's kind of what it takes and it like it builds relationship and it builds community. Mm-hmm. And it definitely is, you know, not an easy life up there as, you know, perfect as it can sometimes look in pictures. Um, but you started off, you know, in animal care and, you know, you're still obviously doing that with the animals that you have on the ranch. But along because we met obviously on our internship. So at some mm-hmm. point in the beginning, you were thinking about dolphins. Oh my gosh. I was thinking about dolphins. I think I went to SeaWorld. My story is very similar when it comes to marine mammal training to, I think Mm. a lot of other people, I think I was 10 and I went to SeaWorld San Diego and I saw the dolphin trainers and I saw the connection that they had with the animals and just like this high energy, like interactive show. And Mm -hmm. I was, that's a job. Yeah. You know, (laughs) why would I, why would I do anything else? And so after the show, I went and talked to one of the trainers. I was like, how do, how do I become you? Cause that's what I want to do. And so honestly, that was kind of the game plan. Um, I was raised in Eastern Montana, but my, my end goal, my plan was always to end up, um, working with marine mammals somewhere warm (laughs) was the plan. Well, that plan obviously changed. So um, talk me through a little bit of that. Um, so the way that I would say it actually really, truly the catalyst for it changing was meeting my husband. Mm -hmm. Um, so even though we were born and raised in the same area of Eastern Montana, we never really had a personal connection until we both ended up in Bozeman, Montana, which is like four hours away from here. I was going to school and he was working, um, a part-time concrete job. And it was just kind of that small town connection was enough to be like, hey, you're here too. And we're from the same place. Um, And so that's kind of how we connected and started talking. And then I was leaving for Key Largo to go um, do my dolphin training internship at, then it was Dolphin Cove. Yeah, now now it's Dolphins Plus. Plus, They said, Um, And I think, oh man, it was only two or three weeks before I left um, for that internship when we went on our first date. Oh my goodness. How did it feel then knowing that you were going to leave for three months? Well, I think we kind of had that in the back of our heads. So we played it pretty cool as far as like, we knew we didn't want to jump right into a relationship and then have me be gone and away for three months after having, I don't know, a week long relationship um so we just kind of kept in contact 
back and forth. Um, and then when I came back from my internship in Key Largo, um, I went back and started school again. I started going to college again and it just kind of always worked. We were just mm-hmm. kind of always in contact and communication and it was just easy and good. Um, besides the fact that ranches aren't very portable um, nope. <laughs> and there was no way to just move a ranch to Florida. Yes. Um, so that was kind of always at least one of the biggest wrenches mm-hmm. in our relationship and just knowing that, which I know that you have had experience with just, you know, with how do you balance a remote dream yeah. job with being far away from the people yeah. that you love and care about? Um, yeah, it's definitely a big thing that I like being vocal about because I think there's so many people and trainers or people around the world in different careers that face the same issues and it's not really spoken about and when it is spoken about there's a lot of judgment especially if the woman gives up you know her quote-unquote dream job for a man you know it's very much like oh why are you giving this up you know for, for a man um and first of all not just a man husband <laughs> um right. but you know there's so much more to it you know they don't you don't see like the background conversations you don't see the tears you don't see the fights you don't see you know the sitting down and trying to make things work the compromises on both sides um but for me at least you know at the end of the day if you can come up with some sort of plan for the future where both of you are going to be happy and both of you are going to be together in that future then you know, it's all worth it in the end. And clearly it seems like you've found that balance. Oh yeah, definitely. I wouldn't go back and change anything. I made mm. the right choice without a doubt, 110%. But definitely when you're in that moment, it feels that way. And especially like you said, as a woman, you know, like, okay, so I've had this lifelong dream and is it, am I going to be one of the people who says, goodbye to it for a boy Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and it was back and forth for a while so like I said I came back from Key Largo um I started going to college again and I kind of hit a point where I was basically processing those feelings like is this is this it am I done you know was that my one go Mm -hmm. of it and I started applying for other internships um just feeling stuck basically like I didn't really have a choice um and then I got an internship in Miami at Miami Seaquarium Mm -hmm. and he drove me to Miami in my teeny tiny little yellow Volkswagen and that was a tipping point for me I don't think I processed it all in the moment but I was like he didn't want me to leave Mm -hmm. you know I was right there I was at home in Montana you know we got to hang out we got to see each other if I had just stayed in Montana, everything was good. We didn't have to do distance. And he drove me across the country to a job that if he was doing it for selfish reasons, he definitely didn't want me to have. He definitely didn't want me to go, Mm -hmm. but he cared enough to not only let me go, but to basically help me go. Yeah. So, and it took me, like I said, it took me a while to process that, but I think I was only in Miami I think grand total, I was there for a little over a month, Mm -hmm. but it was like two weeks in where I was like, what was I thinking? Yeah. Letting that man get on a plane Mm -hmm. and fly away. I was like, I should have hopped right back in that Volkswagen 
we should have drove right back across the country and that should have been it Mm -hmm. um so I ended up turning in my two weeks notice at Miami I think I had only been there for about three weeks um I stayed for the last two weeks and then I drove back home and I've been here ever since I mean I think you know first of all I think it shows remarkable strength in you to know you know what I'm gonna hand in those two weeks especially knowing how much you would have wanted that job prior to that moment you know and a lot of courage for you to be able to say you know what I have a new dream and that one now means more to me than this one um, and you being able to to go after that and chase that. And um, you ended up getting two beautiful little girls out of that. Oh, yeah. And honestly, just a life that I could have never planned or have seen for myself, yeah. you know, and a lot of dreams that I never, there's no way that like my the life that I'm living now, I would absolutely say I have my dream jobs mm-hmm. with my dream people and I'm just really, really happy. And none of it was anything that I could have planned or seen for myself. Did you always want to be a mom? I think kind of passively, I guess. I think that there are some people who are like, I want kids. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. That's who I want to be. And I was just kind of like, yeah, I'll have kids, but it wasn't at the forefront really of my plans, especially since with a job like marine mammal training, I think that that's kind of like a bullseye moment and it can kind of give you tunnel vision Mm -hmm. because you don't think about like, what, what would it look like if I was a married dolphin training mom? Yeah. Cause it's incredibly hard to balance it. You know, I know so many trainers who are moms and, you know, I think they are the most incredible human beings in the world because I just don't know how they do it. Um, but did you ever feel, did you ever feel any judgment on yourself? Um, you know, moving to Montana, getting married and then getting pregnant and not doing your dream job anymore or the job that everyone kind of your friends and family thought that you would eventually go and be doing even though you were happy and completely content in your situation did you ever feel any judgment from other people being like oh she's just she's just a wife or she's just a mom and I say that very like sarcastically you know you're not just anything but did you ever feel that from other people you know, I didn't really, and I don't know how much of that was me being so established in the decision I made because yeah. I kind of processed through those thoughts and those conversations before um, making the decision to mm-hmm. move home and to move back to Montana. But the second that I decided that it was him and it was Montana, I don't even think I probably could have heard if anybody had past judgment on it because I'd had those thoughts on loop and the doubts and the, am I really giving up my dream with myself so much that once I decided, I don't even think that I could have heard a negative word about it. Yeah. That's, I was so sure within myself. Yeah. It's so amazing that you, you did have that certainty because you had thought about it so much, you know, that's not the kind of decision that you make on a whim. Um, No, definitely not. Did having your first daughter change your outlook on life or change how you viewed yourself? 
Oh my gosh. In every, every way, shape or form, you know, now I like my husband and my girls, they're the center, they're the core of my life. And then Mm -hmm. everything else kind of builds around that, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas before you kind of, you kind of end up being the center of your world, or maybe it's your relationship or a career or something like that. But it was the day she was born, like the world stopped spinning. The sun wasn't (laughs) what was rising every morning. Like it wasn't the gravitational pull. Like it was her. She was the center of the universe. She was the center of the world and Mm -hmm. just so much purpose and love and all of these things that I never, you know, people tell you like, you love them so much and you just don't know how much you love them until you have them. And so, right. So absolutely. (laughs) Right. And, you know, everything changed. And then every decision that I make is made through the lens or the filter of being a mom. And it's made Mm -hmm. my girls in mind and it's how will this affect them? And how can I, you know, a dollar isn't my dollar. It's, there's two and how to give them like the best life and create the most well-rounded loving kids it's a very selfless you know way to to be I think it's the most selfless job in the world and the hardest job in the world that anyone can have is being a mom or being a parent um Mm -hmm. did you ever I know you said you didn't ever doubt your decision but did you ever struggle with who you were like your identity you know for so many years thinking that you would be a certain thing and then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're you're a totally different not a totally different person but you're in a different situation to who you thought did you ever not have an identity crisis but did you ever struggle with who you were at that point like suddenly I'm a mom and I'm a wife and I'm on a ranch and I'm not a trainer like you thought Yeah. And I think that there was definitely a big element of that, especially when it came to thinking about a career, Mm -hmm. when I viewed it from that, you know, what, what do you do? And I would be, well, I'm a mom and that's what I do. And I had never really had that Mm -hmm. before. I had always had a job, at least one job from the time I was, I think I, 14 I don't know I was babysitting as early as I could but my parents always um I think that they really instilled a good view on hard work and on what it means to make your own money yep and to be in charge of your own finances and Mm -hmm. from a very early age I think I probably started babysitting when I was you know 11 or 12 yeah um and so and then that went on from there but I had always had a job and a job that I had worked really hard and had an income and not having that was kind of, um, it, it wasn't an identity crisis, but it left a certain part of me, I would say unsettled, Mm -hmm. um, not having that. And so I just really, I prayed about it and I was like, God, give me something, Yeah, you know, because I have the ranch and I have Isla and all of these things and things that I loved and took pride in and found new identity that I didn't even know that I had in myself. Um, But I wanted something more. And 
straight up, I think that Jesus put a camera in my Amazon cart because I don't even remember <laughs> having the thought process mm-hmm. of, oh, I could be a photographer. Yeah. And I, I wanted to capture the ranch because even though I was raised in Eastern Montana, I was tunnel vision on dolphin training. I didn't yeah. really, I was never around cows or horses or brandings really that much Mm -hmm. um and so then when I was I was like this is incredible like Mm -hmm. I want to find a way to capture this and be able to relive this and so that's really where I started with photography I think that's amazing and going back to I'm probably not going to quote you exactly but you said a sentence there it was finding new identities that you didn't know you had within yourself Mm -hmm. I love that because I think, and for me as well, leaving the whales, because like you said, tunnel vision, that's all I saw for myself. I didn't really see any other future that didn't have them in it. So when I left, I did have a massive identity crisis. I was like, who am I? Um, But I love saying, you know, it's, it's something that still comes from within. It's just something that you never allowed to surface before because you Mm -hmm. were so busy and occupied with something else. So these new things that you're pursuing it's not something random it's still something within you and something you're passionate about um and clearly it's worked out for you because you are an incredible photographer but had you ever had you ever done photography before or were you starting completely from scratch I mean completely from scratch I had friends who you know had the little like point and shoot digital cameras that you would bring Mm -hmm. out with you and they would take pictures and I think maybe even in middle school I know for sure in high school there was a photography class offered I never even took it I did not go to a big high school it's not like we had 30 extracurriculars to pick from yeah. I was and I was like eh, I don't really know if that's my thing <laughs> it's so my thing but I think like you said with the tunnel vision and with something as large as a career in marine mammal training and then not having that Mm-hmm. There can be a fear in the space and in the void that that leaves. Um, but I also think that there's a great opportunity in that. Like God always made Hazel to be a gifted podcaster and a gifted Aww. author and like a wonderful fiance to Paul and all of these things. Um, and then you were able to step into that in the void that's stepping away from something else left. Is this a and- therapy session for me here? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, you know, it's easy to uh, limit ourselves and say, this is who I am. This is all I ever can be. Um, and then there's an opportunity to step into something else when that no longer is your reality, when you no longer are Hazel, the orca trainer or Lauren, the dolphin trainer. Um and I think that you've done that really beautifully, you know, okay. I think you I have, had this I think you have too. Thank you. And now there's a void that it's left. So what, what else am I? What else is in me? What else can I find? Yeah. Um, it gives so you so that- much more scope to explore. So, and you did that, you know, obviously with photography, but where, how, do, how did you start? Did you just buy a camera and start shooting? Did you learn on the job? Did you take classes? How did you grow yourself into such an incredible artist? Um, thank you. 
you're so I you're so kind um it's the truth (laughs) (laughs) so I bought a camera which now looking back is if I had done any research it was not the camera or the lens that I probably should have bought but I was just so happy to have the ability to take these pictures and capture the beauty of the ranch at the time it was my boyfriend's ranch now it's our ranch my husband and I's ranch um but just the animals and the way that the people work and the things that they do and it was oddly foreign for having being raised born and raised in eastern Montana Mm -hmm. um and being able to capture that and then take my images home and load them onto my computer and just mess around with editing and so I think it was kind of a self-fueling passion because I loved it and I wanted to get better at it and I wanted Mm -hmm. to learn more so I pretty much just used the great World Wide Web as my best friend. And I learned, you know, what equipment would be best for me. And I learned what editing programs people were using. And it just kind of spiraled from there. But it really did fuel itself because I loved it so yeah. much. So you started off, you know, doing it really like for fun, you know, taking pictures, you know, of the ranch and obviously the scenery around where you are is just stunning. Um, At what point did you say, hey, I'm going to grow this into a business? Well, it wasn't even me who said it, at least in the initial. Um, I had a friend who was a single mom and she said, can you take pictures of my daughter and I? I was like, I'm sorry, I don't take pictures of people. Like, (laughs) here's people that I would recommend but pretty much I'm like dogs cows horses that's what I take pictures of and it wasn't even that I wasn't willing to take her pictures it's just that I didn't think it was something that I could do or would do Mm -hmm. um and she just kept trying for oh it was probably on and off I mean it wasn't a consistent she wasn't in my ear but for months saying hey can you take our pictures it's like I don't I don't do that. And finally, I was like, okay, I will take pictures just for you, but like, don't expect anything wonderful. <laughs> like we're just going to do it. And then at the session, I had so much fun. I loved, and I, you know, I was nervous going into it. I'm like, I have to tell him what to do. You never have to tell a horse how to pose. Mm-hmm. They're just a horse and you just take their picture. But coming out of the session, I was like that was really really fun and then she wrote me a super long thank you card just about how much the pictures meant to her and then she gave me 20 bucks and I was like this is amazing (laughs) I had the best time I got to use my camera she paid me and then look at how much these images meant to her and her daughter yes oh my goodness and then so her mother-in-law later on asked me to take pictures for their family. And then it just kind of spiraled from there. Mm-hmm. And I had done, I don't even know how many sessions before I was finally like, okay, I guess this is happening. Mm-hmm. I should put a business name on it and roll with it. And that was five and a half years ago, almost six. Yeah. You just never looked back. And I think honestly, it shows a lot, you know, the quality of work that you were putting out that, you know, you got so much business in the beginning, just from word of mouth. You know, if those images had not been good, (laughs) no one would have come your way afterwards. Um, So I think, did that give you like a boost of confidence that so many people had already asked? 
Yeah, I mean, it definitely did. And I wouldn't even necessarily say that the images were so good. That's why people were coming. <laughs> I think that people in their kindness were, you know, looking to support me and help me out, but it gave yeah. me enough experience. Yeah. And enough confidence and enough of a foothold to really build from there. I think it's really important as well, because I know that I think there was a statistic somewhere that I think it's like 80 odd percent of women choose not to pursue a dream for fear that they're not going to be good at it. You know, it's the self-doubt that comes in that stops them in their tracks before they can even go on with the follow through. Um, And I think for women, that's something that we struggle with our whole lives. You know, I think men are often told like the world is your oyster and you can do whatever you, you want or whatever you choose. And I feel like women in general are I think people find it easier to try and put women in boxes and say, this is what you should be, or this is what you should do. Um, So I think that your story is very inspiring of you had this dream, you changed it. You chose another dream later on, had no idea what to do, had no prior experience in it and said, you know what, I'm just going to teach myself and I'm going to make it work. Yeah. And I would say that I was, I think a part of being able to do all of that was having a really supportive husband in my corner cheering me on. Yeah. That's you know, so he, important. He has never questioned me with anything that I have done, which sometimes is like, Hey, would you like to watch the girls for five days alone while I go to Oregon on a photography? <laughs> just like, yeah, babe, like go get them. And having his support and mm-hmm knowing that he's on my side has been, you know, monumental. Yeah. It's so incredibly important having supportive people around you. You know, I, I know the same from like, I would never have become a killer real trainer had my mom not supported that dream or Mm -hmm. believed in that dream even more than I did. You know, it never would have, never would have happened. And similarly to you now, you know, having a supportive partner just while you figure stuff out, you know, I'm sure for you at the beginning of building the business, you were needing a lot of support from him as well. So how did you kind of get it off the ground? And like you said, now you, you travel out of state as well, you know, getting it out of just your, your town in Montana and making it a little bit more larger scale. How did you go about doing that? I mean, I think it's been like the grace and the kindness of people and clients and like God and just all of these things have really worked together for me without me really having to do that much. You know, I have, well, my mom, like you mentioned, is just my biggest fan (laughs) and, you know, she's liking and commenting on every picture. And, but there are so many people like that too, who Mm -hmm. are telling, you know, their families and their friends and um, it's, yeah, it's really a community support um, type of thing. And I would say that I definitely get business from my neighboring town but it's really started to grow even since I've been out to the ranch to other towns Mm -hmm. and it always surprises me when somebody will message me and reach out asking about a session I'm like how you're three (laughs) hours away from me how did how did this happen and yeah this is embarrassing because now it's definitely spring but my winter goal for the past I don't know four years has been to make a website and I still have not done it, which <laughs> makes the fact that I'm able to have a fully booked schedule every year yeah. all the more mind-boggling, honestly. And I think that 
I just haven't had to pursue really advertising or even not that having a website is even advertising, but it's really just been word of mouth. And then social media has been enough to keep my schedule fully booked, which is. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think this is something for a lot of people that are, you know, wanting to pursue similar things or, you know, run their own business and everyone gets very bogged down on, oh, I have to have this and I have to have this and this and, you know, running a website costs money and having, you know, editors or whatever can cost money. But, you know, you don't need any of that just to get started. You know, it's better to just get started, get the ball rolling and then add to things as you go. I mean, I didn't have a website before last year Mm -hmm. and that's the power of social media, you know, social before social media, you know, yeah, a website was probably necessary because it was the only place online that anyone could find you. But, you know, nowadays you've got multiple social platforms that people can easily find you on, contact you on. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I would say that I really try even though my social media is technically a business page, I really try to put a lot of my personal self and my personal mm. life into it. It's not all photography, you know, especially when it comes down to the truly personal things like a day-to-day mm. life and a story. I want people to feel like they know me. Because mm-hmm. um, especially if somebody is going to be booking me as a wedding photographer, yes, I want to make sure that you know, we jive on a personal level, but even Mm -hmm. for a family session or a senior in high school or anything like that. Um, and that's why I really like being able to run a business off of social media because I'm Mm -hmm. able to put so much of myself into it. Yeah. That's more formal, like a website doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. always give way to. Yeah. There's less of a kind of two-way communication on a website than there is on social media because on social media someone can follow you for months or even years and then eventually reach out you know after they've kind of gotten to know you a little bit more so if there are any like budding photographers listening to this what would you tell them if they were wanting to get started and they were you know on a budget and didn't really have much of an idea of how to get started um I would say that take a picture every day use whatever Mm -hmm. equipment you have in the moment Mm -hmm. um, to build your eye for photography figure out you know how lighting changes an image use those images to edit on uh, and then just build from there because I see a lot of people who say I want to be a photographer and then they go thousands of dollars into debt buying all of this gear and you know they might like put a logo on their car and so on the surface it looks like they've been doing it for five years but it can kind of take the beauty out of it because it is an art Mm -hmm. and if you approach it too much as a business I would I would personally definitely lose the art side of things if I had went into it saying I want to do this to make money yeah because that can't be what it's about when it's an art form Mm -hmm. Um, and to truly do your job well. So I would just recommend that anybody start right where they're at, right with what they have um, and learn. The internet is such a great resource, a free resource Mm -hmm. um, and build from there, you know, learn what kind of camera and lenses would be best for the type of photography that you're interested in doing and just take it a step at a time, but definitely shoot every day with Mm -hmm. whatever you have. It could be an iPhone, you know, you don't even have a camera but learn light learn how to take a picture and 
you know, if it's a passion and if it's an art, it'll fuel itself. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. I could not agree with that more. And, you know, I think when you're making money off of your passion and off of something that's creative, I think you're, you do put so much more effort into it because it means so much to you. Mm -hmm. And I would like to add something in that art is subjective. So you have to create for yourself first, because you know that you're going to love it because it's, Mm -hmm. it's coming from you, but you have to learn that's not going to be every single person's cup of tea. (laughs) You know, there's going to be someone who would love your photography or your style of photography, but for someone else, it might be too colorful or too bright or, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I say the self, the same to myself with, with my books, you know, there's books that I've read that I've loved and other people have hated. And there's books that I've hated that other people have loved. So I cannot put a book out into the world expecting every single person to love it, you know? Right. So how did you find your style within photography? I started off, like I said, just kind of messing around with editing, mm-hmm. but I pretty quickly on, I figured out that I like color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I like an image to be colorful one I think it just kind of draws the eye and two it's just kind of I always take a picture as if it were for myself so when you know there's a mom and her little three-year-old girl and maybe the three-year-old girl is twirling the mom's hair in her fingers mm-hmm. like the mom is going to want to remember that. Yes. And so the way that I try to operate sessions and the way that I try to view every, every image I take is how would I want to remember this if that was my wedding or if that was my family? And I think it really stems back to a place of authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as the editing goes, so once I've captured that in the moment I'm looking for authenticity. And then when I'm editing, I prioritize color and I prioritize light. Yes, I love that. And your work is honestly, it's stunning. You know, I think it helps the scenery that you have up there, of course, Um, Mm -hmm. but you are undoubtedly incredibly talented and it makes me so happy to see you, you know, finding the balance in your life between all of the things that you love and, you know, pursuing your passions and being a woman in business and a mother and a supportive wife running a ranch, you know, it does seem like you have your finger in a lot of different pies, but you seem to be doing very, very well across the board. Um, So thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast with me today. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's been so, so lovely actually just being able to sit down and talk to you after so long. Yeah, exactly. It's been almost 10 years since we were in I the floor. I know we were, we were babies. We were just babies. Um, yeah. yeah, I know, but thank you so much. And, um, yeah, best of luck with, uh, the snowstorm and the calves in, in your mudroom. Thank you. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. So <laughs> we'll get there.
Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have enjoyed this week's episode, then please do not forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Sharing on social media is always a bonus. And don't forget to tag me at Dreaming with Hazel. And I will catch you guys on next week's episode.